So I know this may sound a little weird, Terry, but uh, I started uh, a plan when I was 40 years old and I sketched out the next 100 years of my life. So I sketched out my life to the year 2100, which means I would be 140 years old. And I divided those uh, 100 years into four 25-year blocks. And if you divide those four 25-year blocks into 90-day increments, over 100 years, every 90 days is 1%. So if I said uh, I wanted to learn to speak Swahili, for example, well, that's ridiculous. You can't speak Swahili. Well, can I speak Swahili 1% better in 90 days than I did before? The Growing the Future podcast is brought to you by Aberhart Ag Solutions. Join us as we talk to top entrepreneurs in the agricultural space about their methods of obtaining success in their endeavors. And now, your host, Terry Aberhart. All right, so here we are, very excited to uh, be hosting our first uh, Growing the Future podcast. Uh, my name's Terry Eberhardt with Eberhardt Farms, uh, Sure Growth Solutions, and Eberhardt Ag Solutions. So, very excited to be be hosting the podcast for the first time. Uh, Brother Dan's been doing a rocking job and setting the bar really high. So, uh, we're hoping to, to have some fun and do really well. And I'm very, very excited to have our first uh, guest as Rob Syke, a great, a great friend, uh, someone I've done a lot of business with uh, through, through Agritrend over the years and the consulting work and helps us out on the farm as an advisor. So really excited to have Rob Syke along with us here today. And my son Holden is going to be helping us out, uh, providing some younger opinions or some different insight here and there, hopefully. So yeah, let's, uh, Rob, introduce yourself a bit. Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, good morning. Uh, great to be on your podcast, Terry. I'm Robert Syke. Uh, you find me today in Olds, Alberta. Uh, my background is all agriculture. I'm growing up in Northeastern Alberta on a farm. Uh, I founded many uh, different agricultural uh, companies and ventures. Uh, probably the most notable would be the AgriTrend Group. However, I'm involved in several new startups right now. Um, I really am passionate about advocating for agriculture and creating more awareness about what farmers do. Um, just love to work in our sector. Uh, have had uh, lots of opportunity to speak out on behalf of agricultural science and the work that we do as farmers. Uh, both at the political and at the public level. So really looking forward to covering off some of those topics with you this morning uh, and today on this podcast. Uh, so over to you, Holden. Um, I'm Holden Aberhart. I uh, um, farm with my dad, Terry, and this is the first time I've been on a podcast and I'm super excited to be here. Cool. Good to see you again, Holden. I think at I think at some point through the podcast, uh, Holden's going to be displaying some some techno video skills that uh, he's been learning on the, the iPad Pro. So that's pretty cool. 
So, yeah, I think there's lots of exciting things um, we want to talk about with you, Rob. You've done a lot of amazing things in, in agriculture and with entrepreneurism. That's kind of a bit of the theme of the podcast is, is entrepreneurism and, and growing the future. And I know there's some super exciting things that you're working on right now. So why don't you, why don't you tell us about what you're, what you're working on today and what's, uh, what's filling your, your mind full of excitement? Well, I think we'll start off with the book. Uh, I've been working, I published a book uh, in 2013, 2014, a booklet. It was about 55 pages called The Agriculture Manifesto, 10 Key Drivers That Will Shape Agriculture in the Next Decade. That book that was written in 2013-14 ended up being a best of Amazon books and and, uh, about 16,000 copies have made their way into the marketplace one way or the other. And uh, that book was was very accurate. It was profoundly prophetic in terms of where agriculture is going. And so what I'm working on right now, Terry, is a new book. It's called Food 5.0 how we feed the future. And uh, it's a full length book for over 200 pages. Um, been working on it and it's designed to be read by uh, urbanites. So I, I really wrote it for a 33 year old mom living in Calgary or Toronto uh, who isn't connected to agriculture, but uh, would like to learn more about how their food is growing. And then, uh, so I take you through five iterations of agriculture. I take you through uh, agriculture 1.0, which is the era of muscle, agriculture 2, which is the era of machine, agriculture 3, the era of chemistry, agriculture 4, which is the era of genetic engineering, and agriculture 5, which is convergence, and that's the area we live in today. Uh, we're all converging technology together on the farm. So that's what I'm working on, first of all, Terry. Uh, it's, uh, it's a book, uh, and it'll be released on August the 13th, uh, and it will be released uh, in conjunction with my opening keynote speech at the Ag Smart Show here in Olds. So on August 13th, uh, Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future. Um, sure would like everybody to go on to Amazon that day and buy uh, two copies, uh, one for yourself and one for your city cousin to give away. And I hope everybody enjoys the read uh, the beginning is kind of uh, a journey of history. The end of it takes us through very quickly to all of the technologies mashing together on the farm. So that's what I'm working on. That's one thing. So what, uh, just on the theme of convergence now, nowadays, um, what are what are some of the highlights there? I mean, I think there's some really amazing things going on. Um, so what's, what's that for you? Well, I think we can all remember when... Um, when auto steer was introduced into the farm and auto steer really was about guiding a tractor in a straight line, GPS. So we needed GPS uh, to, to guide that tractor. It wasn't long after that, that we added GIS geographic information systems onto the GPS. And after that computers came along and then more and more stuff started to go to and from the tractor cab back to the planter and stuff like that. And that really is what convergence is all about. I don't think you can talk about DOT, for example, the robotic platform I'm involved in. I don't think you can talk about DOT without understanding convergence because uh, robotics today in agriculture is, 
is all about uh, mechanization. We have to have the mechanics still, but it's about guidance, GPS, GIS. It's about sensor technology, LIDAR, radar. It's about computers, very advanced computers on, on the robot. Um, it's about adding additional sensory devices to this. It's about the data being compiled, the data being pulled off, the analysis of that data. How do you make sense of it? What do you do with it? So that's convergence. Convergence is all of the stuff going around us today that doesn't exist in isolation anymore. It converges all as one, and it gives us a little bit of insight as to why things are moving as fast as they are. As they're moving so fast because things are converging. Yeah, it's crazy how, how rapid the change is right now. It's very exciting. Cool. So what else is going on? Well, on the heels of that little rant uh, is Dot. So in, uh, on December 31st, I completed the, uh, the, the transition of AgriTrend and AgriData to Trimble. That was done on December 31st, 2018. And then on January 8th, um, I sat down with Norbert Bougeau, uh, inventor of Dot and owner of Seedmaster, and agreed uh, to take on the commercialization of uh, Dot. So Leah Olson has been CEO of Dot Technology Corp. So she's involved in the in manufacturing and uh, the implement partner relationships uh, for Dot, and uh, they wanted somebody uh, to head the commercialization side. So as of uh, uh, January eighth, I became the CEO of Dot Farm Solutions to take the autonomous platform forward into the marketplace. And that's a, that's a long range job, Terry. That's a, that's a job that will take uh, many years to, to, to work through. And so, um, yeah, I had a seven day retirement there for a while. I was, you know, <laughs> good, good start to the year, but anyway, uh, so I, I've, I've done, I've done the dot thing. And then uh, I'm sure we'll talk about a new startup that uh, is being launched on July 16th called AgVisor Pro. So um, other than that, doing, you know, nothing much. For sure. For sure. So just the average day in a, in a serial entrepreneur. Hey, so um, yeah. yeah, this dot thing, I mean, it's something that we're quite interested in, in on the farm and in agriculture. I think that I've always said that I've always believed uh, in the last few years that autonomy is going to come to the farm and it's going to come much quicker than we think much like any, any technology. And, I remember a couple of years ago having a having a chat with uh, at our at our advisory um, meetings with the with the farm team that we do yearly, and talking about the disruption of technology in industries and and saying that you know autonomy I believe autonomy is going to come much quicker than we think into into agriculture, and it's probably co- going to come from an area that we don't expect. It's not necessarily going to come from John Deere case, and and then it was literally a couple months later where where Dot was announced, and and it, it was really cool. So we've been kind of involved in following that, and I think there's a lot of challenges there, but there's also a lot of opportunities. Exciting to see some of the things that are starting to evolve as as um, as this is being brought to market. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an accurate statement. I, I, I like what you said there that uh, autonomy was going to come from where you didn't expect it. There's lots of uh, lots of people pursuing robots in agriculture. 
uh, no shortage of companies. Most of them are small, uh, small platforms. Most of them are small robots uh, dealing in the areas of uh, greenhouses or uh, vineyards. Uh, um, yeah. And, and, and DOT is exactly the opposite. DOT is targeted for broad acre agriculture. Uh, DOT, uh, she's uh, 175 horsepower. We refer to DOT as she because a DOT is named after Norbert Bougeot's mother, Dorothy. So we call DOT DOT. And uh, uh, DOT's got 175 horsepower tier four Cummins engine. Um, it's got four hydrostatically independently driven tires. Like I mentioned, the computer's on it, and it's a U-shaped platform. So it's a, a U-shaped design that's capable of clipping and docking with one unit, like a, a cedar, unclipping and going and clipping in with a, a sprayer. Uh, it can unclip from the sprayer, go to a fertilizer spreader. Uh, so DOT has the ability to have uh, a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of utility, a lot of itties in there. But anyways, uh, yeah, so DOT has a, the opportunity to be uh, a piece of equipment, uh, a, a drivetrain, a powertrain, an autonomous, 100% autonomous powertrain that can go from, from uh, device to device to device. So it can keep working through the whole year. And of course, if you could have um, on your farm, Terry, you would need to have uh, something like about five or six DOTs on your farm. and uh, yeah, that would change the face of how things are happening on, on your farm. Yeah, I think I really love uh, love that story and the marketing behind it. Obviously, uh, the, the dot platform and the C dot run kind of campaign. But when when we heard uh, Norbert tell that story about his his mother and, and he used, and he and he talked about how efficient she was and he and he told this story, I remember telling us about how his mom, when sweeping the floor, you know, she cut a little hole in the floor underneath the sink and, and put a little pail in the basement underneath there and she just sweep it into the hole and just little things like that that made things so efficient. And, you know, Norbert's a, just a, a brilliant mind, brilliant, brilliant guy. A lot of the, the things that he thought of are very simple, but also um, tie in a lot of new technology or new ways to look at things. And so I, I just think that's a, a really cool story behind that all too. I should probably highlight the fact that uh, the seeder for DOT that was in uh, seeding this year's crops with the farmers that we were working with this year, that seeder was referred to as a SR, which is a single rank, Terry. And that seeder uh, is one rank, 15 inch on center, but it's got these clearing devices, these trash clearing devices to get the crop residue out of the way. Um, that worked so very well. I'm really excited to see the outcome of, of what happened there. We were in very heavy trash conditions and uh, that was seeding very, very well. And on top of DOT uh, is the Ultra Pro um, seeding system. And the Ultra Pro seeding system um, was just this winter tested by PAMI, the Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute. And uh, the variation between runs uh, on that Ultra Pro system is down to as low as 3%. So you've got uh, a system that provides very, very accurate seed placement and seed distribution. And that's going to really play well, I think, with farmers as they uh, continue to face expensive seed costs, we think that DOT not only can plant the crop autonomously, 
but the seating system that we have brought out for it, the SR 300, 300 bushel SR single rank 30 foot, um, will allow Dot to place that seed very, very, very cleanly, very, very precisely. So that's going to be interesting to watch, Terry. Yeah, for sure. So Holden, what do you, what do you think about all this uh, robots and autonomy? And yeah, I mean, if you're going to be thinking about being a farmer in uh, 10 years from now, are you going to be doing it all in the age of muscle back in 1.0, like Rob was talking about, or how do you think these robots and autonomy is going to fit in? Um, I think it will fit in nicely. Like it's a lot easier for like, if you're working all day, it's probably a lot because since it goes on by itself and drives and seeds that you will get more time to do other stuff. Like when I um, was helping my dad build the, um, or get the cedar ready, it would have been a, not, a lot nicer to have one thing already seeding and we doing something else and then you can do things a lot more faster. So what are you going to, what are you going to do with all that extra time that the, the robots give you? Um, you could like, if you have kids spend more time with them or could do have more free time to do different stuff or have like hobbies that you can do <laughs> for sure for sure and actually that's one of the one of the themes that um we talked about when thinking about the benefits of this type of farming system is actually changing changing that culture of agriculture where we're worked to the bone you know and and uh working so hard and no time for anything and and you know my dad has a great great saying where you know, in his age where he grew up, his, his comment was whoever worked the hardest got ahead, whoever, you know, plowed, spend another hour in the field plowing or seeding or whatever it is, you just, it kind of came down to how hard you were willing to work. And now that that's not going to be what gets you ahead. It's about how well you run your business and manage things. And, and you got to have the knowledge and planning and all that stuff. Right. And so I think this is one of the things that looking in the big picture, this type of technology and system can allow you to, you know, operate at times when you don't always have to have everybody there. And I think, you know, people are still struggling. I think we're having these conversations. They look at the dot and the parts of the dot, the engine, the machine, the wheels, and they're trying to associate the value of the, the iron, so to speak really the the real value there is going to be the software and the technology and the intelligence that's built into the machine so it can operate um in a simple way and on its own and it, it's a whole it's really it's a whole different platform from beginning to end than your traditional uh farm equipment setup well for sure i i think that that's one of the biggest changes and uh um, on social media, when we when we post about DOT, we get lots of questions around it, and uh, a lot of questions tend to gravitate towards the, the technology side, and and uh, DOT has done, a, the DOT uh, team, uh, DOT Tech Corp, has done a great job of pulling together some tremendous talent. Um, 
I mean, if you go up into that second floor uh, in Regina there, um, I don't know, there's somewhere between 12 and 16 um, uh, technicians working. Uh, and some of these uh, young people are robotic champions. I mean, we've got a, a number of these guys that have worked together and have taken top honors in the North American Robotic Com to Contest. So, you know, I was getting hit up on Twitter the other day saying, what, what makes you believe that you guys can do this with, when the big guys haven't brought it out yet? And, uh, well, that's the way anything's ever been done. Uh, it's always the small guys that do the innovation. It's always the small guys that crack the wicked problems and crack the code and, and bring it out. And, you know, it's not the big guys that bring out innovation. John Deere's got a good air seeder, but it came from Conservapack, you know, and, and it, uh, so it's, uh, it's these guys that, uh, uh, these, these people in, in, uh, in late places like Seedmaster Dot and, that buckle down and try to solve wicked problems. That's where it's always come from. That's, that's how uh, innovation happens. For sure. So talking about innovation, I mean, even the way that we're recording this podcast with zoom and, and, and video kind of a, a live feel is a, a bit of a new innovation and something that we're using a lot more. And we're seeing we're living in a much more visual world, especially with the uh, the younger generation like Holden that we've got here. They don't um, they don't communicate and exchange information in the same way, and so this is uh, this is more and more exciting tools and thinking about different ways to share communication. And I know um, I mean you're a big fan of Peter Diamandis. Um, we'll probably talk about him a bit later. Uh, read the the book uh, Abundance. And then read his next book, uh, Bold, which is about uh, creating uh, exponential experiences through technology and the internet and uh, thinking about how to connect agriculture and connect ideas. And this is uh, something that I know you've been working on and you've got kind of an exciting development or your, your next new venture in, in this area is really tying together those seams of leveraging the new way to communicate and uh, and leveraging those people that still have a lot of value to share, eh? Yeah, thanks, Terry. I, I'm working on a new project right now called AgVisor Pro uh, Answers Now. And AgVisor Pro takes advantage of a lot of what we're using right now, which is connectivity. And AgVisor Pro is an idea that I've had for a while now to provide instantaneous connectivity between farmers and those in the agricultural sector to uh, answer uh, questions immediately. And um, so what does that look like? Well, um, when, when, when I built AgriTrend, when we started to build AgriTrend in 94, 95, started to sketch it out on paper, launched it in 97, Google didn't exist. Uh, Hotmail was just coming on. And, and so AgriTrend was really built around a humanistic connectivity, a humanistic connection environment, a layer of, of, of humans. And, and I believe that that human connection at the farm level is not going to go away. Uh, the problem is uh, the number of humans that truly understand the problems that a farmer faces are declining. They're not getting, there's not more of them, there's fewer of them. And, and so the, 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 the challenge is to shrink time and space in such a manner that a farmer could access a uh, the expertise that he needs in real time when he needs it. 
And so that's what AgVisor Pro is attempting to do. We're going to be launching AgVisor Pro at the Ag in Motion show on July 16th. AgVisor Pro will have farmers with their profiles on it. So you'll have your farm on there, Terry, and, and you'll have uh, the kind of equipment you run, the kind of crops you grow, um, kind of the operations that you work with. And, uh, and then on the other side, there'll be a whole series of uh, agricultural experts, which would include independent experts, uh, uh, people like Tom Wolf. So Tom's a sprayer expert. You'll be able to access Tom and Elaine Fraze, who's a family and, and human resource expert in, in the farming community. You'll be able to uh, 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 talk to Elaine. Uh, Terry Betker's coming on for, for farm business management. Or uh, uh, see Steve LaRock. You'll be able to access him for control traffic farming questions. So on one side, you've got farmers. On the other side, you've got experts. Uh, those are independent experts. But it could also be industry experts. There's nothing stopping um, you from instantly accessing uh, DOT technicians, for example. So DOT technicians could be supported on AgVisor Pro. Um, company like Taurus might decide to list its uh, reps on AgVisor Pro. And so you could have instantaneous connectivity. And then there's government and academic. And so we've got a guy like uh, uh, Scott Mears, who's the provincial entomologist for Alberta. And Scott's on AgVisor Pro. So you'd be able to access Scott. And uh, also, uh, farmers would be able to advise other farmers. So think of AgVisor Pro like the uberization of knowledge and wisdom. And uh, we've fused together the thinking in about three or four different platforms. If you think about it, we've, we've done some matchmaking like Tinder or eHarmony. Um, we've done a lot of uberization where you can select your ride. So you can select a PhD level, a domain expert, a professional uh, industry expert. You can choose when you want to talk to them because they can make themselves available instantaneously to you. Um, we are creating a community uh, at AgVisor Pro called the Peer Garden. It's like a beer garden, uh, and we will be we will be hosting the, we, we will be hosting the Peer Garden this year at uh, Ag in Motion, and uh, we're also creating a, a community for conversation. Um, and the areas we're supporting, Terry, would include like the cropping areas, livestock areas, human resources, farm business management. But one that really uh, comes to heart is the uh, mental health area. Uh, we have a lot of mental health uh, stress at, uh, at farm level. A lot of people are talking about it, but not many people have figured out how do you solve this problem. And so with AgVisor Pro, uh, I'm, I'm trying to build a system that would allow a farmer to connect instantaneously with a professional mental health person in a in a secure, private, confidential environment and have that cost picked up by some sponsor that I'm working on right now. Um, so that's really important. And
Yeah, I really, I really like the idea and the concept. And obviously you've been sharing some of this with me over the, the past uh, few months or a year or so. And now seeing it come together, been playing around with it a bit. I think it's pretty simple, intuitive. And I, I, I really do believe, um, especially for the younger generation, like I see our kids, I mean, they don't, they're not going to be going to the coffee shop and, and, you know, hearing the the local rumors or, or maybe going into the, the dealership and, and hanging out there to, to learn about things. And so I think this is, this is how they communicate, whether it's Snapchat or social media, other tools like that. Right. And I think, uh, yeah, for somebody like Holden again in the future, you know, you can be out on your, you're going to be on your iPad, probably running those five or six dots or your autonomous fleet doing all kinds of stuff. You're maybe editing the next podcast at the same time. And maybe you need to call somebody, um, to, to fix a software problem on the machine or, or maybe you need to reach out to Elaine froze. Cause you and me just had a big fight and, and you're stressed out and wondering how to deal with your dad. Right. So what do you think about that Olden? I don't really know. I think, I think I would like to grow up in a world where everything is just a lot easier to do. <laughs> it's not that easy to do right now or what? No, not really. Pretty tough, eh? Pretty tough world to live in. Yeah. So yeah. that's really cool. I think, um, you know, there's, there's, like you say, Rob, there's knowledge, there's people we know from being in the, in the, in the Agatran group, there's some amazing, amazing minds there that just can never be replaced. Right. And I think about, how powerful that network was of sharing information and knowledge. And even for some of those people, whether it's archiving videos or presentations or research papers um, could kind of live for on forever um, within, within a platform like this uh, live on forever and, and, and continue to generate value for, for agriculture into the future. Yeah. You know, that that's really the thing, Terry. When you consider a guy like uh, Doctor Yai Nevis or even Alston Solberg, uh, the 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 real value those guys have is the wisdom that they can they can impart. And do we really need these guys on airplanes all the time for you to access them? And and I I understand that agriculture is a lot of information that's out there for free. I get that, but at the end of the day, I think that. A farmer before he makes a decision on uh, on a real important uh, issue on his farm, uh, he wants to talk to somebody real. He wants to talk to a human. So I I talk uh, about high high tech and high touch. And for the foreseeable future, even as agriculture gets more high tech, like dot, when you have an issue, I think you need to talk to a high touch person who can help that and. And, and what I'm trying to do is to shrink time and space and Uberize that so a farmer can feel really good about accessing these people for a 10 or 20 minute session, maybe an hour session to solve a problem. So the, the technology we built inside of AgVisor Pro includes uh, audio, so you can just talk or screen and screen sharing. You can see the guy's screen uh, or video to video like we're doing right now. Um, you can take a picture of a, of a leaf or a bug or a disease and share that instantaneously with a guy on the other end or a lady on the other end. Um, so we've done, I think, a you know, pretty good job of pulling together some really cool technologies. And this is just the beginning. So, Terry, I, I'm feeling like I felt at uh, um, 
at the early days of AgriTrend, when uh, I was coming out with AgriTrend and I had more people tell me, nah, this is never going to work. You're crazy, psych. It's not going to work. And and uh, I've got, I was up at uh, 140 a.m. last night. Uh, I had butterflies. I, 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 you know, it's like, it's like uh, um, 50, 52 days away from launch or whatever. And I got butterflies. Uh, uh, we're, you know, I, we're, we're going to be bringing something out that was in here. And, and now I've got a team of Miranda Carr and Patrick Walter, I've assembled him and I've got advisors and programmers all over uh, Calgary, Seattle and Vietnam hitting away on this thing. So I've uh, got a lot of resources uh, that have been expended to bring this off the ground. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about how it fits together with DOT. It just everything seems to be coming together in a new way, a, a new way of doing things. So it's yeah, cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I'm very impressed by um, the team that you've collected again uh, for this new venture. Had the opportunity to kind of see the inside of that on on a call the other day. And I I just, I like where it's going. It's a a concept that I've had a similar thought in my head, Um, but you've really, I think, figured out how to, how to, commoditize it and this is actually something an area where we've um struggled with even within our own consulting business with someone like justin cleaver who's a really really excellent gis guy and really good with the the monitors and a lot of times we get calls from other coaches and other clients that aren't in our client base um for monitor support you know at 11 o'clock at night or midnight on a sunday or whatever it may be because the guy's in the field and he wants to get his unit going and and the reality is i just kind of figured this out the other day you know on a on a on a 15 or 16 hour shift on a on our on our our 80 foot drill we're putting in about fifty thousand dollars worth of inputs in a day right so when that machine isn't running it's worth a lot so if you can if you can make a phone call to somebody like justin and talk to him for 20 minutes and he can fix your little software issue or tell you how to punch a couple buttons on your controller and get you going in 20 minutes. That's, that's worth a lot. And so someone like Justin would take a lot of those calls at different times. And a lot of times we just end up, it's hard to charge for. It's hard to, cause you don't have a formal relationship and you just kind of end up doing it cause you're nice. But now here's a formal tool that for those wizards like that can create some value. And Hey, when you're sitting on the side of the field on a, on a Saturday at nine o'clock and the dealership is closed and you can't get a hold of anybody. I mean, I think most people would be really happy to. to well, if you're, if you're, in, yeah, if you're in that situation, Terry, and you can't get your controller working and it's late at night and, and you can get a hold of a, of a Justin, I think it's fair that, that Justin be able to help another farmer in real time. And we've created the system to make sure that it's all clean. The, the transaction's clean. The, the farmer is able to get the answer the session is recorded for the farmer, so he has it there in his in his filing cabinet on Advisor Pro. He's got it there for reference, so he can go back to it, and and Justin can get paid. So we've made that all work. I, I was talking to Steve LaRock the other day, and Steve said, "Man, this is perfect. I get called all the time from Australia for a whole bunch of stuff that I'm I'm doing. Happy to help out, but I've just got no way to monetize my mind and my brain." And I, and I think that this is really one of the things that's going on in agriculture right now is uh, you would think that with the amount of Google out there, that the amount of information would just grow exponentially, and it is, but the amount of knowledge and wisdom does not grow correspondingly. So at the end of the day, 
um, you know, I was trying to do some welding the other day and I was trying to figure out what to do with this MIG welder. I went to three That's or scary. four videos <laughs> on YouTube. I know scary. I went to the owner's <laughs> manual, which is worse. And in the end, I would have gladly paid somebody 50 bucks to just walk me through some of the nuances that I was trying to deal with. It would have been great just to have somebody instantaneously help me. So I hope that we're on to that. And, you know, we've, we've, we've profiled AgVisor Pro with uh, uh, some um, farm focus groups and then uh, also with the power farm groups. And I'm, I'm running two peer groups called the power farm groups. And so uh, we profiled uh, AgVisor Pro with Power Farm 1, which you're involved in, Terry, and also the newest uh, Power Farm 2 group. Uh, they were profiled as well. And, uh, you know, the indication is, uh, you know, thumbs up. Um, and I've taken it out to industry. Uh, industry seems to be pretty interested uh, in what I'm doing. I think I solved some problems for them. And uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think it's really cool. Some of the, th the ideas that I really liked as well was was the mental health concept because I think that th this is a growing um, growing issue. People are are starting to get more open about talking about it, but it's definitely with the pressures of everything that's going on today. Today's world is becoming more of an issue, and I think that while there is resources out there like helplines, I just even think for myself, if I'm you know, feeling really down or in, in a bad place to, you know, do I, I, I don't know, am I going to go look up a helpline and, and phone somebody that I don't know, or maybe, um, someone like Elaine froze who I do know is, is on there or a couple other people. And in that moment, that instant, if I could connect instantly and say, Hey, I'm just having a real tough time like that with this, just need somebody to talk to. I think it's, it's much more personal and would feel safer. I think, I think that that could go a long ways. And I, and I love the idea of the SOS uh, concept because I mean, Hey, if you're hurt in the field and it is an emergency, like, do you call 911 first? Do you call your wife first? Do you call, who do you call? And then you got to try to explain the location and you're, you know, you could be in uh, in shock or in a panic mode where you're not thinking clearly. So to be able to, you know, hopefully simply enough, just hit an app and hit the SOS button and that can go to 911, can go to every person that you set up on your farm team and locations there. You know, to me, that's, that's a really cool, that's a really cool little simple feature that, that could have a lot of value. So there's some cool stuff there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the, uh, the SOS functionality we're building really is uh, at this point in time is directly to your team. So you fell off the tractor, broke your leg, um, you hit the button and it'll alert four or five people on your team to come to you right away. So that's, uh, that's what we're building there. I think that's cool. And, uh, just to be clear on the, uh, on the mental health side, we're going to have, uh, we're going to work towards having true mental health professionals on the other end of the line. So let's say you're having a bad day, Terry, on the farm and you really want to talk to somebody, the likelihood of you going to Langenberg or the likelihood of you going to Russell or even to Yorkton, um, pretty small. I mean, you, you, first of all, you don't know who to go to. Um, you got to make an appointment, but that appointment could be two weeks into the future. Um, you, you don't want to go to town. You're not going to pull your truck up in front of the mental health office in town because you're, you're worried about what everybody's going to think or say. And so I'm hopeful that we can, we can uh, have the support of the industry to, to back this side of the equation. Cause uh, I do need resources to help pull this together, but this is needed, whether it's ag more than ever, 
Uh, there are uh, a number of uh, organizations that are focusing in on creating awareness of mental health on the farm. It's real. The pressures are real. We're just human beings. And uh, if Advisor Pro could save the life of one farmer, um, make a difference in one farm family, I would think that this would be a huge success. And this is a, this is a way of, of doing the how. There's lots of people saying we have a problem, um, but what I'm trying to do is address the how do we fix the problem. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, some really cool stuff. So one thing that I, I think about a lot is one of the reasons we're here right now today is because of us meeting through our relationship with Agritrend. And and uh, I was involved with Agritrend for 12 years with my consulting business. And in all honesty, for me, that was the first exposure to a very large network of extremely, extremely passionate uh, passionate professional people about agriculture, and it really changed, I, I believe, our whole family's viewpoint on on agriculture too. Because uh, there is a lot of negativity at times, and those kind of things. Into so to get connected with with Agritrend and and the amazing people that were in that group um, to help learn and grow and and push forward. It, it was just an amazing experience and opportunity uh, for us and has led to where we are with the farm and, and Aberhart Ag Solutions and probably ultimately uh, this podcast at the same time. So, you know, I'd like you to maybe share a little bit um, what, what you feel was, um, was a special sauce um, in, in Agritrend and, and uh, the transition that, that you just had and just some, some reflection on that. I think a lot of people would be really interested to hear that story. Yeah, I, thanks, Terry. I, I think that without doubt, one of the proudest things that, that I have done in the career in agriculture so far was, was uh, being a member of the AgriTrend Network, providing the leadership that grew that family. Um, and uh, there's a lot uh, that goes on to the story. You know, we, um, we started out, I, I remember... Uh, in, in the early days at, at Dan Sullivan's strategic coach that I go to, I literally remember putting a palm pilot on a piece of paper, a palm pilot on a piece of paper, and trying to imagine the things that could go, data pieces that could go into the palm pilot, come out of the palm pilot in terms of farm management systems. And as we progressed and launched and, 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 and grew AgriData Solution, we, we, we did all of that and, and far, mo far more than I, than I imagined. Uh, um, Agritrend was founded in an era, as I mentioned, before uh, before there was Google, uh, before email was really, really strong. And, and so in the early days of Agritrend, it really was uh, Excel spreadsheets and fax forms and soil tests on paper, uh, fax back and forth between people. And we began to build a system. Um, the first thing that, that I did uh, because of my training with Jerry Stoller and that is I developed uh, something called the 10-step soil interpretation process. It's just, it's, to me, still today, it's, it's uh, crazy that we have agronomists out there who cannot dissect a soil sample. They still depend on the crutch of the lab to tell them more or less what to put on to do a recommendation for a farmer well, that's really the first thing I did is I, I, I developed the 10-step soil interpretation process. We, and we morphed that over time. I mean, Elston and guys like Doug Penny had, had input to, 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 to refine that. 
But that whole initial process allowed us to teach you and farmers how to look at a soil sample, anybody's soil sample, and find out where the strengths and weaknesses were of the sample and the strengths and weaknesses of, of the soil. So we started off with that, and then, and then every year, you as a farmer go through a cycle of activity to plant the crop. Again, planting the crop isn't, isn't, uh, isn't an event. It's not like it's, you wake up one day, and say, oh, I'm going to plant the crop. It's, it's, it's a process. It's a, it's a process that goes on through the course of the whole year. So we built all around this 10-step soil interpretation process, we built something called a system called a strategic crop plan. And it, it had activities almost in every month that, a, that an agri-coach would do with a farmer to get you ready for the planting season and after. And, and once we had that in position, we, we had to have a, a way to manage it. So that began the programming of uh, AgriData on SQL and .NET and then migrating uh, that whole platform and, and building it. We, we always built it for online. We, we were in the cloud before there was a cloud. And then once we had that all in position, we were able to replicate uh, that, that process, that strategic crop plan process and the training, and we were able to replicate that through an agri-coach program. So that agri-coach program was all about agronomy and helping farmers to grow better crops. Uh, those coaches, of which you are one, worked directly in the field with farmers, and you were backed by the data system, and you were backed by the senior coaches and master coaches and an administration that helped you do what you did. And as it evolved, we added on market coaches to help market grain, and we added on geo coaches for precision ag, and we added on farm business management coaches. And so you, with AgriTrend, the, the total system was grow the crop, sell the crop, manage the money. It was all tied together. And of course, we began to put on events like the Farm Forum event that's still going on today through Glacier Farm Media. And, uh, and, and the, uh, the magazine that we published, uh, the Ag Advanced Journal. So a lot of things happened in that, in that 20 years that I'm very, very, very proud of. Yeah, lots of things. Yeah, and so talk about um, so you know the the transition to Trimble or the sale to Trimble, and uh, you know I guess it's kind of what's led now to these new opportunities. Maybe it didn't feel like that at the time, but I think um, all of us in, in in business and stuff sometimes go through these transitions, and sometimes maybe they don't always go exactly as you think during the time, right? But they, they also open up new doors and opportunities at the same time. If that's, um, I think that's stuff that we learned through strategic coach a bit too. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, Terry, that, that, that's absolutely a great question. Um, I dedicated, uh, I dedicated the part of the, part of the dedication of the new book is to the AgriTrend family, because what we built over those 20 years was uh, amazing. And that legacy lives on because Unlike a lot of companies that have employees, AgriTrend's coaches were independent entrepreneurs. And so um, as we were growing AgriTrend, uh, my board of directors, and again, some advice for people, if you don't have a, an advisory board for your business or you don't have uh, a board of directors, get one. Uh, that's really, really important. I owned, I was a, the founder of AgriTrend and the major shareholder of AgriTrend. Um, had a number of shareholders uh, that were in the network that were shareholders, but I reported myself as CEO to a board of directors and 
Uh, it was an awesome board of directors. You know, Rick Patterson and Peter Lacey and, and Kim McConnell and uh, Ken Carwande, lawyer from Regina, and then uh, Don Van Howling, who is a John Deere dealer with 23 stores in, in Iowa. A great board of directors. And uh, we were growing Agritrend at a pretty, uh, pretty sharp pace. And uh, when you're growing, uh, you know, everybody thinks that's great. Your business is growing and, and you're yeah. really ramping up and we're moving into the United States. But growth needs oxygen and oxygen in, in terms of a company is cash. And as we were growing very rapidly uh, into the United States, we became cash constrained. The other thing that was going on, Terry, is that our model was a 20-year-old model. It was a 15-year-old model. And that model was very humanistic. And it was a very expensive model to run. We had our administration people. We ran a lot of meetings. We had to do all kinds of in-field sessions. We had to do, uh, we had to support the senior coaches. We, we you know, whether it was the, the logos for the trucks or the signs for the fields or the events uh, or the training, uh, certification, all of that stuff, all of that was being done, uh, all the administration, all the invoicing, all the collection, all of the, the money flow. And it, it's expensive. And uh, so we were uh, needing to uh, get an injection of capital. And, and uh, so the board suggested that we package up AgriTrend and, and go to the, the venture marketplace and see if we, we could get an injection of 10 or $15 million to allow AgriTrend to grow. And it was at that time, uh, working with a Manhattan investment banker, that we locked eyes with Trimble. And uh, see, the, a couple of interesting things about AgriTrend is we, we never sold crop inputs. So people say you know, that, oh, we were selling fertilizer chemicals. We never did. We never received compensation for the movement of fertilizer chemicals or seed. We never sold equipment. We never bought grain. Um, so we were really agnostic. And for us to, to work with a partner, some sort of a venture partner, we, we had to have somebody who, who, who was the same personality as us. And so it was during that time that we locked eyes with Trimble. And it was pretty interesting because uh, Trimble was in, is in the technology space and agriculture, um, but really had a, a fairly big, uh, big opportunity in the area of farm data management. And they didn't really have any strategy for precision ag or agronomy. Uh, inside of Trimble. And so I was working with the mergers and acquisition team and, uh, you know, a guy named Rob and, 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 and Darren Howie did a lot of work and uh, um, we did a lot of diligence and, and a small company like ours selling to a, a publicly traded Silicon Valley company is a lot of work. So we had to get through a lot of diligence and, and uh, it, it, it looked to me like that was a really good fit. Now, when I thought about if we were to become Trimble, is it good for our farmers? And I, and I really, really felt that it was good for our farmers. I, I felt it would be good for our coaches. I felt it would be good for our employees. And I, and I felt it would be good for our shareholders. And so um, the offer came and we negotiated a bit. And the board said, you know, Rob, it, it, this is a good offer. This is a fair offer. And so we transacted. We, we sold AgriTrend and AgriData and AgriTrend aggregation to Trimble. And that happened in uh, November of 2015. Again, I just completed my, my period in, in, uh, in December of 18 here. Um, so we did that. And uh, I got to say that Trimble, a very honorable company. We, we had, some, uh, we had uh, any hiccups that we had to deal with, we, we dealt with and, and worked through them. 
Uh, and so I, I give top notch to the, uh, to the management team, uh, honorable, straightforward. Um, Trimble has done an outstanding job with AgriData. And uh, the AgriData platform, now Trimble Ag Software, uh, you don't even know this, Terry, but apparently it's just been converted into Japanese now. So uh, that platform that we built, uh, Kevin Patterson and that programming team, that they built that platform is now available in 15, 16 languages going around the world. And I knew that I couldn't do that. And it would take the muscle of a Trimble to be able to do that. On the other hand, uh, I wish I would have done more diligence in terms of cultural fit between what AgriTrend is and what uh, AgriTrend, uh, our mission is, and, and how it would have fit inside of Trimble. Because I think um, that we were, uh, we were ahead of Trimble. Uh, I think that um, we, you know, we, we as an AgriTrend organization could go to a field and either use biovegetation index maps to do zones or use uh, EM38 maps uh, for electrical conductivity we could develop zones and grids and then uh, pull those together into recommendations for variable rate fertilizer and variable rate seed. And then we would develop that all into a script that would go on to a jump drive that had to go into a controller. And, and that's really where there was a disconnect. At the time, Trimble didn't have any variable rate capability. They couldn't regulate and vary three or four or five or six different nutrients at the same time through any of the equipment that we were really running. And there was a gap. Uh, that I think that was a gap between where we were at and where Trimble was at. And uh, it, it created, uh, created tension because uh, we wanted to be able to help move that technology in the field. And we did. Now we moved a lot of John Deere variable rate seeders into the field. We moved a lot of variable rate planters into the field. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't Trimbles. And so I think that began uh, some soul searching inside their organization. And uh, they've acquired Mueller since. So they are getting into that whole variable rate uh, world and are going to do it in a good way, again, starting over in Europe before it comes to North America. So that lag time created a, uh, uh, a gap in the business plan. And uh, uh, it just became obvious that, that AgriTrend was, was not the right fit for Trimble at the time. And, you know, for the record, if anybody out there from the AgriTrend world is watching this, it grieves me uh, that, we, that, that it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Because the plan was to take AgriTrend globally through the Vantage dealer network. And uh, that, was, that was always my plan. However, plans change. And that is with Strategic Coach, they teach us that. And so, Terry, to be really honest, I, I think I would have licked my wounds pretty hard for about two years um, as, I, as I watched what was going on. And, and I'm really proud of the AgriTrend Network, you know, like Elston Solberg and, and those guys have picked up a, uh, uh, a network that converses on agricultural problems uh, called Earth, Dirt, Soil. So that's been taking care of you and, and many of the other coaches have accelerated your agri-coaching business. Uh, the marketing guys have started up a couple marketing companies. So everybody's bright. Everybody, like I'm, no, nobody is, uh, nobody is, is, is indispensable. I, I'm not indispensable. But I did grieve for a couple years. And then 
started to think about what what impact could be made on the world. And I, I go back, Terry, to the work I do with Strategic Coach and the work I do with uh, with Peter Diamandis at Abundance 360. They challenge us to think about our moonshots. What could we do? So now that AgriTrend um, is, is a part of my legacy, knowing what I know about the strengths and weaknesses of that model, um, knowing what I know about farming and technology, what would be the next moves for Rob Syke? Um, you know, after the sale of Trimble, um, people said, what are you going to do, go golfing? And I said, well, you don't know me very well. So, uh, so you know, that, that kind of leads it, Terry, to where we're at today in terms of, um, of what the opportunities are for DOT, for uh, AgVisor Pro, for the Power Farm Groups, for, um, um, for the book I'm writing. And I haven't even talked to you about spectroscopy experiments I'm running right now and stuff like that. So, yeah. So it's been a great, you know, it's been a great career, you know, and you look back on that, that, uh, that 35 or 40 years of my career, I've been able to build a couple of retail businesses and found a bunch of companies. And I look back at all those with a great amount of pride. So, you know, but moving, moving forward, like moving forward, build, build on that pass, right? It's really interesting. I think it's, um, really cool that you shared that Rob. I mean, for me being part of that network, um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever experienced anywhere the culture and the passion that was within that network with all the senior coaches and the coaches. And we had an incredible amount of fun and an incredible amount of passion. And we, that just inspired people to do amazing things. And, and I was very close to all this because I was very passionate about Agritrend. I was really involved in the work that we were doing as a group with the precision stuff. I was really close with you and many of the other senior coaches like Elston and, and all the guys. And it was just, it was really amazing. And I think that, you know, the thing that made it so amazing was the fact that we were generally all independent. We weren't employees. But that also made it incredibly, incredibly hard to to make changes. And I, I was always in the mindset sometimes that, yeah, you have to change. Change is constant. And if you don't um, change fast enough, you know, things are, things are just going to go sideways. And at some point, maybe, um, you know, I just kind of seen that the growth was getting to a point where major things had to change. And then for some people, maybe that was uncomfortable. And um, and I think at times in business, it's really relating just back to being an entrepreneur and, and being able to see um, that sometimes uh, the winds are changing, right? And if you don't recognize that and you try to hang on or keep paddling against the stream, so to speak, you, you could, it just isn't maybe possible to carry that forward. And so I seen, you know, the people in our network, um, some that struggled with it, some that didn't, I seen the toll that, you know, the emotional toll on you and maybe things didn't go in certain areas the way that you hoped or wanted. But on the same hand, those, those things you learn from them. And we, and we talked about this through some of that. And at the end of the day, you make those choices that you think are right at the time and you hope for the best. But when you come out the other side, all of a sudden, um, now you're, uh, you learned a bunch from the experience and it was interesting to see your transition from, you know, getting kind of over where things went and all of a sudden 
a few months later, now you're starting to dig your heels into the next, um, horizon and, and the excitement gets going and, and all that stuff. So that was really, really cool. We hope that you are enjoying this episode of the growing the future podcast. Please take the time to visit our sponsor, Aberhart Egg Solutions at aberhartegsolutions.ca, where you can find innovative solutions that transform your farm. And now, back to the show. Really, yeah, really. you know, I, I it's it's uh, um, the world. The world does not stand still. And uh, again, we were at a point where the legacy model that we had created needed to change. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about having the opportunity to come forward with some new ideas, uh, to serve the agricultural community and the opportunity, Terry, with, with what we're doing with, uh, DOT, uh, and AgVisor Pro have the opportunity to, again, change the lives of potentially billions of people. Um, and again, back to Peter Diamandis, who challenges us on a moonshot, um, about how do we structure something that potentially could change the lives of a billion people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about DOT. I think DOT could be a billion-dollar unicorn coming out of uh, Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, there is no guarantee that it will be, but it has a chance to be. And that's pretty rare uh, for, for that sort of a, an idea to come out of the prairies. There's great companies that have come out of the prairies but very few of them have been, you know, billion-dollar moonshots. And so uh, we have a chance to do some things here right now that are really exciting for the future. So, yeah. Anyway, I, as we wrap up the whole agri-trend thing, I just, I just wanted to say that, you know, I believe our legacy lives on. It lives on in, in all of those independent coaching businesses that are out there today. And uh, I, I think that agri-trend significantly shifted the marketplace forward. When I started, there were very few consultants on the marketplace uh, that I could think of. Today, there are lots. I think AgriTrend was part of that. Farmers Edge came on what about uh, four, uh, about seven years after AgriTrend had started, maybe longer. Um, and uh, it was about that. And so we have all of this stuff happening today uh, with uh, Decisive Ag. We've got uh, Decisive Farming and and uh, Crop Pro and all kinds of independent guys out there. Uh, those guys that are working, uh, all the uh, guys and gals that are pushing forward. And it's exciting to see. Uh, I think that we, as an AgriTrend network, moved agriculture forward in Western Canada and in Canada and North America far, far more than people will ever realize. And, and that makes me feel pretty good. Yeah, for sure. It's really cool. And I think, I think that kind of leads to another area that, that I have a lot of interest and passion in is just, um, is all the coaching stuff, the strategic coach. Um, I've had the honor and pleasure now of joining, joining that group and you've been in it for a long time. And I seen working with you within, within AgriTrend, the tools and the processes that you brought from coach to the team I seen the culture that you build. I seen how you surrounded yourself with advisors and a lot of that stuff, in all honesty, I, I just, I just seen the value that it had and the, and the, the action that it inspired in me being part of that group and really took that and emulated a lot of those things within our own business very, and, and created a lot of success with that. And, and now, you know, going to strategic coach too, and you've been in strategic coach now for over 25 years. So tell, tell us a little bit about why you're doing that and, 
and and over all the struggles that you may have as an entrepreneur and how how a program like that has helped you do the things that you want to do yeah so i uh every 90 days i fly to toronto and i uh review my life, uh, my business life, my personal life. I review my life every 90 days by attending a program called Strategic Coach with a fellow by the name of uh, Dan Sullivan. And uh, I just started my 26th year. So that's, that's over 100 flights to Toronto and back every 90 days. And um, if you're an entrepreneur or you're, and you're running a business, um, you are, you are, you are, you are hit every day with all sorts of complexities that shake up your world. And I think that it's uh, really important that every 90 days or so you slow down and take uh, inventory of your life and, and try to um, reformulate your strategies and, and what you're going to do the next 90 days in the context of where do you want to go. So I know this may sound a little weird, Terry, but uh, I started uh, a plan when I was 40 years old, and I sketched out the next 100 years of my life. So I sketched out my life to the year 2100, which means I would be 140 years old. And I divided those uh, 100 years into four 25-year blocks. And if you divide those four 25-year blocks into 90-day increments, over 100 years, every 90 days is 1%. So if I said uh, I wanted to learn to speak Swahili, for example, well, that's ridiculous. You can't speak Swahili. Well, can I speak Swahili 1% better in 90 days than I did before? And over the course of uh, 190 days, I'd be an expert, of course. So the, uh, the whole idea of strategic coach is to be able to ground yourself every 90 days. And in life, Terry um, and Holden, you're going to be going through this too. There are times when you have great excitement and things are going really, really well. And then life crashes around you. Boom! Things don't go so well. And uh, whether it's like every it's, time uh, I come home and yeah. tell them to clean the room, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's whether it's whether it's uh, a disease uh, that hits your family that you have to deal with, or death, or divorce, uh, or financial struggles, changing marketplace, <laughs> China not taking canola, um, every. Every time the world hits you with these, these issues, it's important to slow down and, and take stock of your, of your assets and, and figure out based on, you know, a, a three or a five or a 10 year plan, what does this canola China issue mean to your farm? And what does it mean in the context of three and five years? And, and will it really be that big of a deal in over the three or five years, the answer is absolutely yes or absolutely no. It depends on how you deal with that strategy. So strategic coach for me, Terry, uh, again, I, you know, uh, through the ups and downs of life, um, you know, you go to some strategic coach sessions and you cry, um, literally. And other strategic coach sessions, you go there and you're on top of the world because things are firing. Um, other strategic coach sessions you go to, you're, you're broke, you're busted, and you don't know how you're going to make payroll in the next 90 days. And I've been there too. So uh, it's been really good for me. So it's, uh, and I, it, strategic coaches for entrepreneurs, 
And I don't care if you're a person listening to this that is or is not an entrepreneur. There are lots of good coaching systems out there. My advice is to find one that works for you and stick to it. Uh, just stick to it. The tools work. Um, I've integrated a strategic coach into all parts of my life and every business I'm involved in, whether it's DOT or writing a new book or uh, Power Farm Group or uh, Agvisor Pro, strategic coach is a foundation on which I build that company's strategies and culture. So there it is, Terry. Yeah, I know. It's really cool. I think, you know, the, the coach really too, is it's, it's a peer network as well. And then one of the things that I always find is you go there and a lot of times in, in business and personal life too, you feel like you're the only one facing these problems or dealing with these problems. Right. And, and a lot of times I think we have an agriculture, this mindset of oh, no one understands what it's like to farm or run a farm. It's different. Right. But the thing that I find really amazing is there isn't a lot of people in agriculture that are in coach. A lot of it's uh, many other different kinds of businesses, everything that you could think of. But the reality is everyone has the same, basically the exact same set of problems um, and everybody's dealing with the same thing. Right. And, and a lot of other people have insight. And so it's it's really it's really about the peer peer network, too. And I think that's where you know, the value of the peer groups and stuff that you started, we've been part of a, a farm peer group, strategic coaches is just an overall business peer group. And we've already formed some amazing relationships, friendships and opportunities um, through that as well. So, and it's that time, like you say, you go there, you're unplugged from everything else for one day and, and you just focus on, on the big picture. And I think a lot of times we get mirrored down in the day to day of everything going on. And it's hard, it's hard to see the horizon or it's hard to look back. And you talk about this a lot too. A lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're always walking towards the horizon, shooting for the horizon. And it feels like we're never getting there because we're not, because we're always setting new goals, but sometimes you got to take the time to stop. And, and that's what coach helps with too, to reflect back on the positive focus of success. And you look back and like, wow, we've, we do this every year for the farm. We get the whole team in and we write down, everyone writes down all the things that we accomplished that year. And we end up with a list of like 50 things long. And we're like, wow, no wonder the odd day we feel a little tired. Like we did a whole bunch of crap and it was all like really good stuff. Right. So um, I think that's the, the real powerful part of all that. Yeah. The lesson there, Terry, is that as entrepreneurs, you're always striving for for the ideal. You want the ideal income stream. You want the ideal set of machinery. You want the ideal crop. You want the ideal uh, herd of livestock. You want the ideal family. And uh, if you always judge yourself by the ideal, you'll always fall short uh, because it's like trying to reach the horizon, no matter how many days or how far you walk, the horizon just keeps moving on you. However, you need to stop and turn around and uh, judge how far you've come. And that's why I like to uh, every so often stop the team and really do a refresher on, okay, we're, we're, we're frustrated with, with what's not going on or not going right. Let's stop for a second and, and, and study what, what went right, what we did right, what went well, and how big is that list? And you're right, Terry, it's, it, it's an extremely invigorating and energizing activity that most people don't do. Well, and I'm just thinking about this hundred year plan. Like that's, that's a, that's, a, and, and I know that's something else that comes out of that, but that's really cool. I'm just thinking, that's thinking about Holden. Like, are you, are you thinking about your hundred year plan there yet? Um, you'll be a hundred yeah, years. How old are you going to live Holden? 
Um, I don't know. It all depends on what I choose to do. I choose to live my life. Hey, hey, how old do you think you're going to live till, Holden? Probably somewhere in the 90s. In the 90s? The 90s, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you're wrong. Because by the time you get to be our age, uh, my age, uh, you're going to be living a lot longer than 90, Holden. I, I would think you'd be wanting to set a, you'd be wanting to get into your brain something about 110 or 120. Well, let's uh, let's get into a little bit of something that I'm I'm really interested in as well, and something that um, you've got connected to is is the Peter Diamandis group, the Abundance 360. Um, I think for anybody that has a bit of a futuristic or interested in, in the tech type of technology and things that are coming down the pipe should um, look at that, maybe subscribe to the newsletter. Um, you've been going to the conferences, but why don't you just explain a little bit about that? And I know Holden and I watched the first two hours of the last abundance conference remotely and, and just, it's just mind blowing the, the technologies that are coming out there that, that are real and happening right now that people don't even realize, right? Yeah, again, this goes back to the strategic coach. So through strategic coach and uh, Dan Sullivan, uh, 52 of us got an opportunity uh, about six, seven years ago to go to uh, Mountain View, California, which is in Silicon Valley, the home of Google, and we went to uh, the Moffat Air Base, which is the home of Singularity University. Singularity University is founded by uh, several people who had an eye to pull entrepreneurs together to basically talk uh, technology and how it would shape the future. And uh, two of the co-founders were Peter Diamandis and uh, Ray Kurzweil. And if you've ever had a Kurzweil music synthesizer, that's Ray. Uh, optical character recognition and flatbed scanning. That's Ray. Ray has so many inventions, and Ray's got a stellar uh, report card in terms of predicting the future. He's now uh, the head of engineering at Google, and uh, together, uh, Ray Kurzweil and uh, Peter Diamandis had us for two days, uh, 52 of us in a room, and they would do one-hour sessions each on where technology was going. I was fortunate enough to be in that room. And uh, the, after the first night, I went to my hotel room. I didn't sleep a wink. My brain just churned all night long. I woke up next morning. I wasn't tired. I went back to the session. I took 83 pages of notes in two days, and it changed my world. And the reason it changed my world is that all of a sudden, I was exposed to this thinking, all of these technologies that are out there and these people that were working on the technologies, and I was going, how is this going to impact agriculture? Genomic sequencing. We can sequence the human genome. Dr. Craig Ventner, and I've had mine done since then, can do it. How will that change agriculture? Uh, 5G connectivity. How will that change agriculture? Um, machine learning, artificial intelligence, data, streaming, sensory devices. How will that change agriculture? And so I came back from there. I was the only agriculture person in the room. And I remember, Terry, coming back to you guys at, at the AgriTrend Network. And uh, I was vibrating. And you guys are saying, what the hell is wrong with cycling? Something's wrong. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But it really started to, yeah, it started to set us on a trajectory. And so since I've been involved with Peter Diamandis' Abundance 360. So 
in um, j- late January in uh, Beverly Hills, he gathers 360 people together in a room and you can tap in remotely so you can be part of it. But there's 360 of us in the room and Peter will bring in the best thinkers in the room. For example, this year, he brought in Dr. Kai-Fu Lee, who uh, wrote the book uh, AI Superpowers, China, Silicon Valley, and the Changing World Order. And if you want a, a good book to read to understand what's going on today, that was it. Kai-Fu Lee was amazing. And anyways, I expose myself to this every year, and it helps me to shape the vision of where I think technology, the world, and agriculture needs to go. Hence the book, hence DOT, hence AgVisor Pro, all of that stuff. Yeah, it's an amazing uh, group to get connected into and, and the things that are going on. I remember, yeah, Holden and I were watching some of the introduction there and that two hours is just two hours of, of uh, Peter Diamandis just sharing mind-blowing things and Holden and I were watching that and one of them was the, the new Google Assistant, right? That can just call and, and book your hair appointment and talk back and forth on that. They won't work out. They won't work. I remember Holden watching and he's like, that they didn't even know they were talking to an AI, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's amazing the technology and this. So this is where I, I, I see this, I believe these things and I believe they happen quicker than most of us think they will. Right. And, and that's why I think we, we have to be open, open to these things. And uh, it's the stuff that's happening with longevity and technology is just, it's, it's amazing. So, you know, someone like Holden, I mean, you're going to have, Hey, Holden, Holden, when you, Holden, when you watch that Abundance 360, Holden, what are the things that jumped out at you? What, what were the exciting things? Can you remember it? What, what, what jumped out at you? Um, my favorite part was when they um, showed the virtual Google Assistant and they put her up on the screen and she was like, hey, can you turn on my cameras? And they did, and then she like saw this guy wearing a tie, and he was like, and she said, "Oh, hey, nice tie there. You have a great day now, sir." <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, I forgot about that part. That was pretty cool. So, I mean, and and the one big theme that that uh, Peter talks about all the time is this moonshot, right? So, explain a little bit about. I mean, you alluded to it before, but what is the moonshot? And he has got a little process to to define your moonshot, right? Yeah. So a moonshot is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, And it's not something that just, you know, that instantaneously drops on the table in front of you. It requires some thinking. But uh, a couple of years ago, Terry, on May 2nd, 2017, I remember the day, I had uh, an opportunity. I was invited to spend six hours with Bill Gates. And uh, there was a handful of us that were in the room there. And the, the meeting was really about discussing agricultural technologies. I, I brought everything AgriTrend and AgriData to show Bill Gates. And he had done a lot of research work on the people in the room and uh, the topic was really how do we use technology to, to lift the, the poorest people in the planet, largely farmers, subsistence farmers, to a higher level of prosperity. And so we were there basically to collaborate and to share ideas with uh, Bill Gates as to how um, that might happen, what we could contribute. And that, that day, uh, 
that day changed my life in, in a lot of ways because uh, I, I didn't have, at that moment, I didn't have a vision really of, of how I could change the lives of a billion people. And that's what Peter Diamandis talks about. Peter Diamandis talks about how do we shape the lives of a billion people. Now I'm involved in, in several things that I think could do that. Uh, again, sharing the, the thoughts about agriculture in a book or a podcast, trying to talk about GMOs and genetic engineering and how important that is, trying to reach that message into the urban marketplace. Because if you put GMOs and fertilizer, pesticides, and robotics to a vote today, it would be, you know, to ban them or keep them, it would be ban, 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 ban. It would be It'd be, let's ban all technology associated with agriculture. And what you do is you condemn the world to poverty um, based on ignorance. And so we need to reach people. And the other, the other thing going on is in, in broad acre agriculture, like your farm, Terry, uh, they're, they're not making more farmers. Holden, Holden and you are rare air. Uh, you know, you're farming 15, 16,000 acres. It's probably going to get bigger. Um, and that the reason is, is that most people leave to go to the city. Uh, and and that's, that's just what's going on. So how do we create a support system for you people that are in the farm uh, remote and disparate? You're not connected in a city. How do we create connectivity to support you? That's another thought going through my head. And the other one, and, and, it, and it, I've been giving this some thought. What do you think the most scarce resource is? on the farm, Terry. If I was to ask you, what do you, what's, what's the, what, what is the most, through the course of the planting season, the whole, the whole entire year of farming, what do you think the, 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 the most, the most important scarce resource is? Have you got to answer this right now? Uh, well, my, my first, my first thought goes to time. Just time um, to to that's what I think about. Um, yeah, is is time to to. I, I wish I had more time to do the research to spend in the field to analyze. We've got so much data um, to, to 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 analyze it and to make. I know there's. I've always every time I've always taken the time to sit down and make a presentation for for a meeting or a conference and analyze the data, I usually find some really cool, amazing insights and like, wow, you know, I didn't really even know this was here. Um, so that's one thing that for me personally is just um, having the resources and ability to do more of that. If you're a, if you're a subsistence farmer in Nigeria growing cassava, that's being attacked by a disease, what do you think your most scarce resource is at that moment? Information, access yeah. to information. Yeah, I, I think the most, I think that as we see agriculture move into the future, whether you're a, a small land older in, in, uh, in Uganda, uh, just running a half an acre farm, or you're a Terry Eberhardt, running uh, 15,000 or somebody running a 100,000 acre farming operation, I think the thing that is most scarce on a farm is information when you need it. And I wouldn't even say information because you can Google anything. It's just more information, more confusing. I think what you really need 
is access to knowledge and wisdom when you need it. So I may be totally out on this. I may be totally out to lunch. But after watching uh, and thinking about this for a long time, uh, I believe the moonshot that we're creating is to uh, shrink time and space to connect experts with farmers in real time to solve problems um, by stretching their brains and not their bodies. And so that's what I see. I could be totally wrong, been wrong before, uh, but I think that the most scarce resource on a farm today is an answer to a question when you need it right now. Well, that's really cool. I mean, that's, uh, I think that's why you added the tagline of answers now, right, on AgVisor Pro. And I think maybe just to finish off the theme of moonshots, Holden, uh, I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about what your moonshot would be and maybe you could share that from from the moon there on your on your ipad um but for me i've thought about this a little bit and it's probably going to change it's not really defined but it really comes down to the theme the theme of our farm growing growing our future and the theme of this podcast really is just about for me i want to do things that help change agriculture in a positive way to benefit not only our family and the next generation, but people around the world. That's, that's my ultimate goal is just to, to continue to do things and share knowledge and, and hopefully have be part of um, some of these things that help, help improve that from, from a global scale. That's something that I'm. Before we we go to Holden, I think it's fair for me to say this, but uh, you know, Zarvio, uh, Zarvio uh, has got a program where they do spraying of crops according to biovegetation maps. Well, Zarvio didn't invent that. That was invented by Terry Aberhart and working with Warren Bills and the guys at AgriTrend. And, and uh, we, we have lots of people taking credit for it. But, you know, we work with Dr. Alex Belnichuk on, on pulling together the biovegetation index maps. Uh, we pulled those maps out of Belarus. Uh, we would work on uh, getting that information for in-season crop density on your farm, on, on the density of canola. And then we would prescribe fungicides either um, at the, the full rate or, or none, depending on the, the density of the crop. And today that was, you know, that was taken to uh, Bayer, uh, Bayer Digital Campaign uh, that, that uh, those guys worked on and developed. And today... That has migrated over to Zarvio. And so that whole thing really started on, in my mind, started on your farm. So credit to you. There's an example of, of you making an impact to uh, millions of people around the planet, if not billions someday, Terry. And I think it should be on the record that it started on your farm. <laughs> well, thanks for that clarification, Rob. Um, now that'll be cemented in time. I'll just have to everyone to refer to this podcast. But yeah, it's cool. I think that's one of the things that most of us don't realize um, what we can do. And it's all part of the the goal setting process, right? And um I've always believed that when you surround yourself with amazing people, you can do amazing things. And it's not something that we did on our own, but it definitely was something that we did working with a, a, a great group of people. And, and it's pretty cool. So yeah, Holden, what's, uh, what do you got there? What's your, what's your moonshot at 11 years old? Can you say that again? You kind of like, yeah. What's, uh, what's your moonshot? What's your big uh, goal at the moment? For um, your life, my big goal is—I don't really know. 
<laughs> I don't really have one right now. Mm. Need some time to think about it, eh? Yeah. Maybe well, he's only eleven. We'll give him. We'll give yeah. him until he's thir- thirteen. Yeah, so twelve. We'll, maybe. We'll, re- we'll revisit this with you, Holden. If you don't have a, a life-changing moonshot by the time you're twelve, that's going to change the world. You got to think about where you're going with your life, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So, I mean, another thing that, uh, you know, probably, uh, a lot of people know about you, but a lot of people don't is, um, your, your alter alias, uh, Steve Sobeljumpski. And uh, I think we're curious to, uh, to hear about the beginnings of Steve and how that got started and, uh, and where that all came from. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to entertain hundreds and hundreds of uh, rural audiences as uh, my alter ego, Steve Stubblejumski. Um, Steve was, uh, we had a fertilizer dealership, Randy Sowski and I did in Two Hills, Alberta. Uh, and we decided that on opening day, um, <laughs> well, the day before uh, we were trying to figure out how to open up our dealership at the pancake breakfast, can't make up this stuff. So uh, we're, we're drinking and Steve's, Steve's mom was a half case of Coors and his dad was a bottle of CC. And we had this <laughs> floppy hat that I put on and, uh, you know, I, I'm Ukrainian. So I was able to use the Ukrainian accent that Steve Stavljomsky has like that. And, uh, for the opening of Agritech Farm Supply. Um, anyway, I, uh, you're Mayor Shabuinka. You can't make up that name. Mayor Shabuinka <laughs> at Two Hills, which is where Double Bumps is, uh, was cutting the ribbon for with Randy and Harvey on the stage. And I burst in as Steve Stubblejumpski and wrecked our own grand opening. And uh, farmers laughed like hell. And that began a career in rural comedy. So uh, I've entertained, like I said, hundreds of crowds. And I don't do it very often anymore. Uh, I think I do it rarely. Um, but I, I do have a big gig coming up next year in Saskatchewan, Terry. Oh, really? Where's that? Big gig. I was the first, Steve Stubblejumpski was the first entertainer at the Lemberg Agri Dinner. It's now 25 years old. And wow. they've asked Steve to come back for a third time. Steve Stubblejumpski, three wow. times at the Lemberg Agri Dinner. So I think I might do that. It's funny. I was, I was talking to Holden and, and I said, you should ask Rob about Steve Selvajumpke. And he's like, who's that? Who's, you know, how, and he was yeah. struggling with yeah. how to pronounce it. But anyways, why don't you, why don't you share with us one of your favorite Steve Selvajumpke uh, jokes or short routines there? Uh, okay. Really tough. You you should have told me this. Holden Holden hasn't experienced any of this yet. So he needs to see some of this, uh, flavor for you always do it off the cuff. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, Steve would say that, uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if a man is alone in the forest and he says something and there's no woman there to hear him, is he still wrong? <laughs> There's a, yeah, just a little some, short one. There's some good ones there. Some good, uh, some good songs that Steve sings too once in a while. So it's, that's a bit of fun. So, I mean, uh, a lot of people know a lot about you, Rob. You're, you're a very open guy. I like to share a lot of things, but 
what's something that what's something that you'd want to share that probably nobody knows about you? Uh, okay. Um, it would be. Um, it would be something that drives me, and 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 that would be a feeling that that it's that that it's never really good enough. Uh, that that I haven't done enough yet. Um, I mean, Lori Lori watches me work, and I'm like uh, working at dot every day working at writing the book. Uh, the other day I put in 18 hours on the book and uh, the, uh, the launch of, of AgVisor Pro. And, you know, a lot of times she thinks like, you're just crazy. Like, why do you don't have to do this? You don't have to work at all if you don't want to. But why, why do you do this? And I, and I, uh, I do it because I see it. And to me, I have the ability to do something. And if it remains undone, uh, I feel like I haven't, contributed so i it, it, it actually it comes from a comes from a space of insecurity uh really i think you know no matter how successful i've been i always think about um is it good enough is it is it enough yet i'm sure it is um but it's some somewhere inside of me um is a desire to uh to not leave anything on the table so at the at the end of my life, which you know, Lord willing, will still be a long time, because technology allows me to to think that way. I mean, I'm 59 years old, and I'm just ramping up. I'm just ramping up, and a lot of people are retiring and stuff like that. And, and good for them. I have no problem with that. But um, I believe that my life uh, my life span will be well in excess of 100 years. And if you even call it 120 years, um, I'm not even halfway through yet. So to, to hang up the spurs when, when I've got all of this knowledge and all these contacts and all this information about agriculture in my head, I think that would be squandering resources. And Dan Sullivan's got a great saying. He says that if you stop using your parts. If, if you stop using the parts that nature, that nature gave you, you stop using the parts, then mother nature will just start asking for her parts back. And so there'll be, you know, illnesses and things that happen. And I've been thankfully very healthy. Uh, everybody's got some chassis issues with shoulders or stuff, but uh, that would be it, Terry. I, I think that people would think that, uh, you know, been there, done that, done it all. And I'm going, nope, I, I think that there's so much more yet to do. And I've got the resources, the energy, the talent, the connections, the skills, the understanding to do it. And if I don't do it, then I think I've left stuff on the table that should be done. That's uh that's an amazing, that's an amazing uh, insight or thought that you shared there. I mean, I was expecting um, something like you were a, a champion Ukrainian dancer or something like that that nobody would know. But I think that's really cool because I was actually going to ask you a little bit about what, what drives you. Right. And I think, I think that's just was really amazing to hear you talk about that because ultimately I think a lot of really um, successful entrepreneurs or serial entrepreneurs have this incredible drive, have this incredible stamina. And I seen, 
I seen that in you working with you. Um, and, and even now, you know, and, and people would ask like, why do you want to keep doing this? Why do you want to work till two o'clock at night, right? You know, writing a book or whatever, when you don't have to at 59 years old or whatever it may be. And I think, I think a lot of, um, deep down inside, probably a lot of entrepreneurs have that same feeling where, you know, not that it's not enough, but you, you feel like you've never maybe reach your full potential and, and, and you know, you could do more. And if you know, you can do more and that that's helpful to other people, you, you feel this urge or obligation to, uh, to keep going forward. Right. So I think we lost, uh, lost Rob there for a second. I don't know if he's going to reconnect. What do you think they're holding? I think this is a great concert. <laughs> I see. Are you still there, Rob, or did we lose you? Um, I think we lost him dead. We'll just uh, throw him a quick text here, see if he's coming back on. Well, this is a first for that. Uh, losing our losing our guest speaker. What do we do now? You got to you got to do some improv to keep uh, keep the conversation going. Um, I don't know. Uh, just trying to find a decent, nice picture. Could go in the background. I think I saw one before. Oh, yep, here it is. Perfect. So you're thinking about, uh, as we're getting close to wrapping up here, some uh, some last questions that we want to ask Rob when he comes back on? Have you guys got me again? Yeah, we got you again. We lost you there for a minute, so I don't know what happened there, but... Well, Lori, Lori called me. I... Zoom uh, Zoom kicked off when the phone call came in, so I'm not sure why that happened. But no. anyways, I'll... no problem. Probably just had a deep discussion about you while you were gone. Um, yeah, so um, you've done a lot of things. You've been been involved in a lot of businesses, and you're you're working uh, with a lot of different people on whether it's acting on the board or um, working with. Alberta Innovates. I know the last time I was up with you um, at your place there, you know, we traveled to some of these meetings and stuff. And so I just, just curious um, as advice to other, other farmers out there, other agronomists, other entrepreneurs generally, what's, what's the top three things uh, you would, you would say to, to anybody that you need to think about and leverage to, to be successful. Well, I, I, technology comes to mind as a, as a real opportunity, a real threat. Uh, every year I go to abundance, and so I'm as plugged in as anybody is around what's going on in, in, with respect to technology. And uh, this year in particular, at the end of Sunday, which is the first day, I just sat back in my chair and it was like hair straight back. And, you know, I'm plugged in and I can't believe how fast things are moving. So I think for farmers that are uh, intent on playing the long-term game, I think that uh, connecting and having a technology strategy attached to your farm is very, very important. 
I think you need to have a technology play. I know that uh, places like Olds College and so forth are starting to develop curriculum called techronomists, and those are going to be important people for your farming operation. I think that uh, a coaching and a mentorship, a coaching type of program for you as a business owner is, is critical. Um, so you need to surround yourself with an advisory board. You need to surround yourself with a, um, a group of people who can help uh, tell you uh, uh, what you're not seeing and uh, maybe uh, help devise strategy to help you skate where the puck is, is going to be, like a Gretzky move. And uh, I think that's important. I think, I think it's important you slow down periodically to, to work on your business rather than just in your business all the time. Um, those are a couple of things, Terry, that come to mind right away. Um, yep. So how do you, how do you slow down? I know you're one of the, the people that I know that has so much going on. What do you do to unplug? What do you do to free up some time and space, um, to clear your mind and, and, uh, get refocused? Undoubtedly, my favorite activity is sailing. So I have a I have a sailboat called the Prairie Oyster, and if I can be on the water, uh, then that sailing activity is is uh, number one because it's uh, occupying my mind and uh, allowing me to uh, do something uh, totally different than work. I like motorcycle driving. Uh, I was supposed to go a motorcycle ride today, but great great news is it's raining today, so that won't happen. Um, Lori and I, are, uh, we, we enjoy traveling. Uh, we're going to go to a hike here right away, uh, spend a little bit of time on ba- Vancouver Island. Uh, do, I've never been to uh, uh, Tofino and um, Nemeo and Nimo. Yeah, Nemeo bars. Anyway, I've never been to those places, and I do like travel uh, very much. So, in fact, one of the things I, I think we might do, Terry, is we, we might pull together a trip next year again in, uh, in early March, maybe. Uh, go to Chile with a bunch of farmers and start in Chile, uh, go across the mountains, uh, sample some wine in Mendoza and end yes. up at that, uh, at that agro expo show yeah. in uh, Rosario, uh, Argentina before we leave uh, from Buenos Aires. So I think we'll uh, line up another, there'll be the third one now, third farm tour. I think we'll do that through Chile and, and Argentina. So I yeah, like to travel and, uh, and, and really, really enjoy spending time with friends. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, if there is anybody um, listening that's interested in that, I've been on two of those tours to Argentina and Brazil. And honestly, some of the, some of the most fun um, I've had. And when you can travel along with a group of like-minded people and other farmers and go see some sites, have some fun and, see and learn about agriculture right from people that got boots in the ground and, and live there. I mean, it just was an awesome experience. And I just, I always remember, especially the first one when we went to Argentina there and it just kind of was a, a real experience where you look back and, and think about how far you come. And we, we had just traveled to Robert Preddy's farm, famous zero till Kyler and and he really, he really wanted to show us a 20 year field plot of zero till with all the, all the worms. But I convinced you and Elston to take him to take us where we were, they were running the combine so I could drive the combine in corn in Argentina. This was a big bucket list of mine. I never combined corn before. And so you guys convinced him to do that. And, uh, I drove this combine. It was just a really amazing experience. And we were sitting in the back of the car bombing down this dirt road afterwards in the middle of Argentina, drinking a beer or something, I believe. 
And you just looked at me and you just said, Hey, like six, seven years ago when you joined Agritrend, could you have ever imagined we'd be driving down this dirt road in Argentina, you know, just coming from this cornfield and whatever. And I was just like, absolutely no way, you know, it was just amazing. I remember that experience. So. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. There's lots to be done yet and lots that we in Western Canada are going to do to influence the world. And uh, as we look towards a population of, uh, you know, call it 9.6 to 10 billion people by 2020, the next 30 years are going to be real critical years and real good opportunity years for us if the fundamentals play out the way I think they are. So hold on tight. We've got a long way to go. That's really cool. So Holden, you got any, uh, any questions for Rob? Um, yeah. Um, what was your, what was the coolest thing you've ever seen in all your travels? Oh, the coolest thing I've ever seen in all my travels. Well, uh, let's see here. Um, huh, that's a great question, Holden. I think we, we had some time this last year in the Galapagos, and so we were able to see um, a lot of really cool uh, plants and animals in the Galapagos. But I think the coolest experience I had was hiking uh, the Inca Trail, and at uh, 3.30 in the morning, they got us up, and we, we got to Crest. I think it was called Dead Woman's Pass. And we, we stood there and on top of this mountain and watched the sunrise behind Machu Picchu. And you saw uh, Machu Picchu just come to light in, in, with, with, uh, with the dawn, the sun, sun, sun rising. I think that's one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. That was, that was pretty cool. Thanks for the question. You're welcome. That's really cool. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, some of the stories that you talk about, and I mean, I just had the opportunity to go to to uh ukraine and russia i mean it was in the winter time there and whatnot but just pretty unbelievable uh farming operations over there huge huge scale million acre farms and i remember you talking a lot about two one of the one of the most uh advanced farms you've ever been on was over in the ukraine right yeah no doubt about it that was a farming operation called druzhba nova um which is new friends and druzhba nova's farming operation i going from memory here, I think it was 50,000 hectares or so. And it was undoubtedly the most uh, agronomically advanced farming operation I visited anywhere in the world. They even had the ability to track the amount of residue or the trash left after the uh, combining. And uh, they were layering on uh, uh, broadcast uh, liquid uh, UAN or uh, broadcast liquid nitrogen fertilizer on the trash according to the trash volume to break down the trash for next year's crops. And I'm going, holy cow, nobody is doing that anywhere else. So they had a lot of sophistication in their operation. And uh, we should not underestimate uh, the power. I mean, um, uh, they, they struggle with geopolitical uh, instability, uh, granted, but um, we, there are smart people all over the planet. We, we should never take a, a, uh, an approach where we think we're, king of the hill because there are really bright people all over the world working in agriculture. The advantage we have is that we have a stable uh, political sort of, uh, we had, a, I think we have a stable political system. I don't know if it's Trudeau, but anyways, uh, um, we have a stable political system that allows us to uh, do longer range plans. Places like Argentina 
um, is hampered because everything is based on a one-year lease, um, that does not lend itself to long-term thinking. So um, we're in a good spot. The other thing as a legacy of the Canadian Wheat Board is we have all of this grain storage all over Canada that allows us to do segregation of our grains. And I think we should be taking advantage of that. And there are ways to do that, I think, going into the future. It's one of the things that I'm um, thinking about, uh, harnessing that segregation capability uh, to be able to sell attributes from our crops directly to consumers. I think that'll be an opportunity for us too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think we're just about ready to wrap up. Um, one thing I just wanted to finish off quickly as I see, uh, you know, my, my uh, laptop's down to 6% here anyway, so it might be time to go, but we always talk a lot about the future and all those exciting things, but I think sometimes it's, it's cool to celebrate the past and their heritage. And I think about, um, the old time harvest for hunger when we had all those old trashy machines out there and they had that little bucket on the, on the grain elevator, which is, it would measure every little bushel of grain. And it's actually a much more accurate measurement of, of yield or, or grain going across. And we even have in our yield monitors in today, like a hundred years later, but I know you got a pretty cool, uh, story about, uh, memory of your early days of farming too. Yeah, are you talking about the field marshal tractor? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, my first tractor was a circa 1947 field marshal open cab tractor. I don't know why Dad had it on the farm, but uh, you would, uh, at the front, it had one cylinder, one big cylinder, one cylinder, and uh, you would light the, the blotter paper uh, and put it into a holding device that screwed into the cylinder on the front end. And then you, you adjusted the flywheel to a certain notch on the tractor. And then you grabbed a shotgun shell that was full of gunpowder and screwed that into a device on the side of the tractor. And then you grab a hammer and you'd hit the firing pin of that shotgun shell. The shotgun shell would blast off. It would turn the flywheel and hopefully the kerosene would light on fire with the blotter paper and then big smoke rings would come out of the freaking field marshal. And that was, I spent hours on that freaking tractor until the casting broke on the, on the steering mechanism. And I was glad to be done with that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's how old I am folks. <laughs> well, I don't think Holden has any of these uh, old time stories yet. He might have to get a few more, few more seasons on him to, be able to talk about back in the day about uh, his first farming experiences, but, um, but yeah, it was so awesome to, to have you on the, on the podcast. We covered a lot of really cool things and uh, just so excited to see where things are going to go and in, in the next few years. And I'm sure we'll be touching back again in the future. So thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot, Holden and looking forward to the next time. We'll see you all at Ag in Motion at the Old Smart Show, August 13th and 14th, and at Farm Forum event this next December and on the road. Thanks, Terry, for doing this. Cool. Have a good day. You have a good day, too. See you, Holden. Thanks for listening to the Growing the Future podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for highlights of the show. Also, full-length videos of the show are available on our website www.growingthefuturepodcast.ca and on YouTube. We would very much appreciate if you took the time to visit our sponsor, Aberhart Ag Solutions at aberhartagsolutions.ca where you can find innovative solutions that transform your farm.